Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to episode number 206 of the Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tripodi, and I'm joined by Tony Pauline, as always. And this week, we'll take a closer look at the top 2022 NFL Draft prospects from the Mountain West. Week two of the college football season is also in the rearview mirror, as is Clay Helton's time at USC after his fire just two games into the season after last weekend's loss to Stanford. Also in the Pac-12, Oregon went to Ohio State and beat the Buckeyes without Kayvon Thibodeau, and Iowa State was the second top 10 team to lose at home last week after falling to Iowa. Tony, what stood out to you? Kayvon Thibodeau in sweats on the sidelines at the uh, for Oregon at the Oregon-Ohio State game, which I attended, which was a lot of fun. Obviously, it wasn't a lot of fun if you were a Buckeye fan. My daughter goes there. I'm not really a fan, but it was, it was good to be back in a college game. Uh, how good the Oregon offensive line played, especially their center, Alex Forsyth. And Brock Purdy getting benched because of poor play during the Iowa State-Iowa game. Purdy will be back on the field this week for Iowa State. But, you know, as we, we talked about when we went through our Big 12 rankings, uh, a lot of scouts like Brock Purdy as a uh, second-round choice. I have him as a day-three pick, an exciting college quarterback who I just think does not project all that well into the NFL. And so far, not so good for uh, Brock Purdy and Iowa State get beaten badly by Iowa a week after pulling out a squeaker against uh, Division I AA foe, Northern Iowa. And now we'll get to this week's show in just a minute. But first, a word from our sponsor. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. That is double your initial deposit just for signing up. Just don't forget to use promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Now, the Mountain West, three players drafted in April Boise tight end John Bates and San Diego State cornerback Darren Hall in round four, and Bates' former Bronco teammate Avery Williams in round five. The conference should have a better showing in 2022 with a full season on the field and some of the seniors who chose to return to school putting their names into the draft. We'll hit on a couple of those. On today's show, still, it's going to be all day three picks from the Mountain West with one big exception. Potentially one big exception. We've got to see uh, what the plans are. We will get into that player in a little while. But, you know, it's every other seat, every other draft, I should say, uh, for the Mountain West. Two years ago or two drafts ago, the 2000, uh, uh, 2020 draft, it was Jordan Love of Utah State who was a first-round pick. Two years before that, 
it was Josh Allen of Wyoming, who was an early first round pick. It's turning out to be everything the Buffalo Bills have hoped he would be. Are we going to have another quarterback taken in the first round from the Mountain West Conference in 2022? It's a possibility that Chris and I will talk about. And we will get to that and so much more after this message from our friends over at Balance 7. So I don't know if you heard, but apparently former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon. And apparently he's trying out for Pau Gasol's team. Lamar has been taking a new product he owes the credit to, Balance 7. Balance 7 is a pH balancing alkaline supplement drink. It's like vitamins or supplements in a liquid form. Just one ounce a day, three times a day, and in a week, you'll see the effects. And even for non-pro athletes like me and Tony, Balance 7 can help with hydration and oxygen levels, making workouts both easier and more effective. And as we all get older by the day, that's certainly a key to keeping active and staying in shape. Yeah, and as anyone who works out knows, the older you get, the more difficult it gets. The workouts don't get any easier. And anything that's going to help you, anything that could maybe give you a shortcut, it's worth its weight in gold. You can see how Balance 7 has helped. And right now, if you go to balance7.com and use the promo code BELIEVE, you'll get $10 off their 32-ounce bottle. The bottle lasts 11 days, which is the perfect amount of time to feel the pH balancing drink go to work. Again, head to balance7.com and use the code believe that's B-L-E-A-V, for free shipping. I did. If it worked for Lamar Odom, it can work for you, and it can work for me. Now, on to the teams in the Mountain West Conference. Nothing really doing at Air Force, whose only draft pick since 1999 was a seventh-round long snapper in 2019. So we'll just move on to Boise State, which had two of the conference's three draft picks in April, in John Bates and Avery Williams. And they also have a 12-year streak with a selection. Unfortunately, though, that streak is in a bit of jeopardy for the 2022 NFL Draft. The top two Broncos prospects, both seniors, wide receiver Khalil Shakir and offensive tackle John Gujoku. Shakir, 52 catches for 719 yards and six touchdowns last year in seven games. He's already at 12 receptions, 257 yards, and two scores in two games this season. Both of those scores came in that opener against UCF, where Boise State almost pulled out the victory. He's the Broncos' obvious go-to guy. He's quick with the ball in his hands. Boise State uses him in a variety of ways to get him the ball. They'll use jet sweeps, short passes, etc. Doesn't have great size, but he is a reliable receiver who can get down the field as well. And Ajoku, three-year starter, moved to left tackle last season after friend of the show Ezra Cleveland's departure. He's got the size and the length to hold down left tackle at the college level. We'll see about his NFL fit, though. Tony, anybody else you think could make any draft noise from Boise State next April? You know, maybe Riley Smith, the fourth-year junior tight end who takes over for John Bates. He's a little bit more athletic than Bates was. Bates was good in all areas, but it wasn't very fast. Smith does have some speed. And there are a lot of scouts that have Khalil Shakir graded as anywhere from the sixth to the late seventh round. I have him as a free agent. I like him. I just don't see anything special about him. And, you know, as we've seen year after year in the draft, you have 34, 35, 36, sometimes 37 receivers drafted. So there's always a guy that's left on the outside looking in. And I think that Shakir could be that guy. I like him. I just don't think that he's anything special. Ajoku has got excellent length. 
He's got some growth potential. He's going to have to get a little bit sturdier at the point, and he's got to learn how to finish his blocks. Now, Colorado State, oh, for the past two drafts, after having three wide receivers selected from 2016 through 2019. And it's another wide receiver, along with a tight end, getting draft bull grades for this year's Rams. And they really dominate the CSU passing game. Senior tight end at Trey McBride in four games last year, 22 catches, 330 yards, and four touchdowns. And junior wide receiver Dante Wright, 20 catches, 315 yards, and three games last season. Just for perspective, their teammates caught 17 passes combined. So far in two games in 2021, McBride, a whopping 21 catches for 230 yards and a touchdown, including eight for 114 and one against SEC foe Vanderbilt. Now he's more of a traditional tight end, knows how to use his frame, good concentration and ball skills, just nicely to pass his thrown off his body, but definitely not a burner. Whereas Wright, 10 catches, 146 yards this year. He's small. He's not a threat in the red zone. Doesn't have blazing speed either, but he's effective with the ball in his hands. He's used creatively on jet sweeps and short passes as well. Tony, what are your thoughts on this offensive duo at Colorado State? You know, McBride is a guy that was highly rated by scouts last year. There were some who thought he would enter the draft. He decides to go back. I have him graded as a mid-fifth rounder. I've seen him graded anywhere from the mid-third round to the mid-fourth round from scouts I've spoken to. He's got nice size. He's got very reliable hands. As you pointed out, not just this year alone, he's had some incredible production in the past. The only thing is, you know, 6'3 and a half, 255 pounds, he's not the fastest guy in the world. So, and in this day and age, if you want to be a tight end that's going to be selected, you know, within the first three rounds, you have to be someone that can easily split the seam. McBride does it with his smarts, with his uh, with route running rather than his speed. I just don't know that that translates into a day two pick. Dante Wright is someone who really uh, stood out to me on film. He's a guy who has got reliable hands. He shows some big playability, and he's someone to chart moving forward, only a third-year junior. They've got a couple of uh, uh, defensive linemen to keep an eye on. Scott Patchen, uh, a uh, transfer from Miami, and Manny Jones. Uh, Manny Jones is more of an explosive edge rusher who's got defensive tackle size. Uh, Patchen's a guy who plays tough physical football. Both guys are, are uh, super seniors. You know, it's amazing with uh, Colorado State. They've got some decent uh, talent on the field. They've already lost two games, including the opener to South Dakota State, uh, a very good and very competitive one double A uh, school who they lost to by 21 points. And, you know, uh, there were some problems with that uh, program in the offseason. There were some allegations made against Steve Adazzo. Uh, Dazio, I'm sorry, the head coach who uh, went helped uh, keep the momentum going at Temple. Then he went to Boston College, put some competitive teams on the field, but not competitive enough to keep his uh, job. Goes to Colorado State, not real good last year during the abbreviated season, off to a real bad start uh, this year. And, you know, you look at the talent on the roster, on the depth chart, the talent is pretty good. They're just not playing up to the level of ability. So you got to wonder uh, they got Toledo uh, this Saturday, played Toledo. Toledo played uh, Notre Dame hard. Then they got Iowa. They could start the season 0-4 before they really move into the meat of the Mountain West uh, schedule for them. Now, Fresno State, zero draft picks this year after two in 2020 and one in 2019. Should get back on the board in 2022. Senior cornerback Deron Bland transferred to Fresno State from FCS Sacramento State after they did not play football in 2020, he's got nice size and length, 
Just six tackles in three games this year, though. Hasn't really had a big role on their defense, but he does have some intriguing physical traits. Running back Ronnie Rivers, a smaller back, has been highly productive since his sophomore season in 2018. He did take his extra year of eligibility from the NCAA, which means when he enters the draft, he's going to be a smaller, older running back prospect. Does have some pass-catching skills, though, but really nothing more than a late-round type of guy. How do you feel about these Bulldogs for next year's draft, Tony? Ronnie Rivers is a guy who gets the most out of his ability. As you said, he's not the biggest guy. He's not the fastest guy, but he's very versatile. I have him graded as a six-rounder. I know there are some scouts I've spoken to who think he could be an early fifth-rounder. Wherever he goes or doesn't go, he's going to have to compete to be a third-down back at the next level, a situational player, a guy who comes in on third and four, and you run a toss sweep with him uh, because he plays much faster than he times, or you throw the ball to him out of the backfield. Very productive in that area at Fresno. And I think he can help a team at the next level in those specific areas as a number four back. Darren Bland's got decent size. He's flash ball skills. Uh, there are some scouts who grade him as a, uh, a mid seventh rounder. Uh, I have him as a late six. I was expecting big things. Ha- hasn't come to fruition yet. Two other guys you got to keep an eye on. Aaron Mosby, the linebacker, six foot three, 233 pounds, runs and plays in the four sixes. Loved this film in 2019. Had flash last year rather than, than taking his game to the next level. See how he does this year. And Dante Bull, the big offensive tackle, six foot six, 336 pounds, right tackle prospect who just annihilates people, small area blocker. I have him as a priority for reagent. I spoke with some scouts who feel he could be a six round choice. Now, Hawaii, nobody drafted in April after three players drafted in the prior two drafts. And it's going to look like the second straight dry draft season for the Rainbow Warriors. Top prospect on the roster, senior left guard Micah Vanterpool started five games last year for left tackle, one at right tackle, moved inside to left guard this season. He's got great height, but he lacks bulk and experience, not even graded as a priority free agent. Tony, what do you like or dislike about Vanterpool? And is there anything else of intrigue at Hawaii? He's a, he's a mobile guy, Vanderpool. For a tall lineman, he's fundamentally sound, shows good bend, sinks his butt, and he's very good in motion. You get him out on the second level, can pull him across the line of scrimmage. He's got to get a little bit stronger. He's got to fill out that frame, a little bit stouter at the point, learn to finish his locks. But really, when you're looking at an offensive lineman like that, the way he moves about the field, he, he shows that athleticism. He's just got to complete his game. Uh wasn't even graded by scouts coming into the year, or at least the scouts I've spoken with. I have him as a priority free agent. We'll see where it goes. Now, he's probably listed as a uh, fourth-year junior uh, on some lists because of the fact that uh, he gets to repeat his junior year. But still, Vanderpool is somebody to keep an eye on. Calvin Turner, the sometimes running back, sometimes receiver, has gotten some draftable grades from scouts. He's a nice-sized, uh, skilled player at five foot 11, 190 pounds. Not really fast, more quick than fast, but very reliable. You know, sort of a lesser version of Ronnie Rivers in the sense that you're looking at a third-down back, situational type of player, at least on my board for the next level, but I don't think he gets drafted. Now moving over to Nevada, no picks the last three drafts. The last two selections from the program were both second-round offensive linemen, Austin Corbett in 2018 and Joel Batonio in 2014. So it's been a bit of a drought for the Wolfpack. But for 2022, they've got a quarterback that everyone should know about. We teased it out earlier. If you don't know, 
about Carson Strong? That's what we're here for. The junior had a breakout 2020 campaign, completed 70.1% of his passes, 27 touchdowns, just four interceptions. So off to a good start this year as well with six touchdowns and one interception in two games. Now he's not a threat with his legs, but he's got great size. He's got the big arm to challenge vertically down the field. And obviously has been very productive, albeit in a non-power conference. But again, as Tony mentioned earlier, this is a conference that produced Josh Allen four years ago, produced Jordan Love two years ago. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that Carson Strong could end up in the first round or for a Mountain West quarterback in general. Now, certainly Strong is not an Allen-level prospect, but his upside is certainly high. The Wolfpack's other top prospects are actually Strong's main targets, tight end Cole Turner and wide receiver Romeo Dubs. Turner, 49 catches, 605 yards, and nine touchdowns in nine games last season, 12 for 123 in a score so far this year. His height and long arms stand out. He's got a thin frame, often lines up in the slot or out wide. Doesn't really have great speed, but extends nicely for passes outside of his frame and wins in contested situations. Dubs, 58 catches, just over 1,000 yards and nine scores in 2020. He's got solid size, good speed and quickness. He's a big play threat for Strong, who separates well. Easily the most exciting team in this conference. Tony, talk to us about the Wolfpack. Yeah, and a lot of prospects on offense, including a couple more names that uh, you didn't mention that I, I'll get into. Obviously, the headliner is Carson Strong, as we've spoken about on this show since last year, uh, as we were moving into the beginning parts of the uh, 2020 season. Strong caught my eye off the 2019 film. The uh, Nevada starter at the time got hurt. Carson Strong came in. And when I just watched him during the 2019 season, the arm strength is just what flat out blew me away. I mean, he, is one, he has one of the strongest arms that I think I've ever scouted. I mean, this guy flings the ball with ease 60, 70 yards down the field with speed. And he always challenges the vertical game, maybe to a fault. Maybe he should be looking for some of the underneath receivers. He's got outstanding length. You said that he's not a threat to pick up uh, yards with his legs. Well, maybe that's true because he looks long and gangly when he runs the ball, but he's very elusive. He can escape the rush. He shows great poise. He shows great patience. Uh, he can make all the throws. When I watched him on film coming into this season, coming into this podcast, it's obvious that Carson Strong is able to make the types of throws that only a few NFL quarterbacks can make. That's how good his arm is. Now, that's the good part. What's the bad part? Number one, you know, you said that he's no Josh Allen. I would agree with that, but they play in different types of offenses. I don't think the offense that Carson Strong plays in is really something that's going to project well to the next level or even help his game progress. It's a lot of either dink and dunk or throw the ball 60 yards downfield. There's really no in-between uh, on a consistent basis. In fact, if you watch Nevada play, they get a little too cute, I believe, with that pistol offense. And, and more times than not, they're lining up the running back behind center and they're trying to mix it up rather than just focusing on and centering the offense around Carson Strong. Does have to improve his pass placement. I think he puts a little bit too much air under some of those deep throws. Uh, he's got to get the ball out in front of receivers, uh, or as they say, throw receivers free. That's the term that's used these days. Uh, obviously, when he gets to the next level, the offense is going to be a lot more complex than it is now. 
I'm told that there may be some medical concerns that have to be checked out about them. That's still to be verified, but keep that in the back of your mind. You know, I have him graded basically now as a fringe first round pick because I want to see him develop his game. Uh, started off strong, beat Cal, beat a uh, Pac-12 opponent that first week of the season, had some uh, big numbers. I know a lot of scouts I've spoken with have a second round grade on him also because they want to see him take the next level. Don't want to see him just win games with with a big arm. Want to see see him win games with with accuracy and uh, and basically a variety of passes. We talk about a limited tree route for receivers. Well, we want to see you know more of an enlarged passing game from Carson Strong, not always in his control. Has got an incredible amount of upside. And I said a year ago that I believe he would be the next quarterback from the Mountain West selected in the first round. I stand by that. Let's see what happens with him moving forward. Cole Turner's got outstanding size, six, six and a half, 230 pounds. He plays fast. Uh, he's a guy who catches a lot of Carson Strong's fastballs, gets down the field. Romeo Dubs, uh, consistent pass catcher. Good vertical threat, but he's not a home run hitting threat for the for the next level because he uh, runs and plays in the four fives. They got another receiver returning, Elijah Cooks, who's received some draftable grades from scouts, 6'3 and a half, 215 pounds. They got a nice offensive lineman, a tackle who I project to guard. I have him graded as a six-rounder. Aaron Frost, 6'4 and a half, 312 pounds, plays nasty, nasty football. And they got a stout little running back by the name of, and I know I'm going to butcher his name, Toa. Teu Awa, five, eight and a half, 305 pounds, runs hard on the inside, real good pass catcher because they throw the ball a lot, a lot at Nevada. They always have, but when you got a guy like Carson Strong at quarterback, you got to throw the ball a lot. So they've got a lot of real good offensive prospects. It's just that Carson Strong is probably three to four rounds better than everyone else, and he's the guy to keep an eye on. The back half of the Mountain West is coming right out after this word from our sponsors at Play Action Pools. Exciting news. Our podcast is partnering with playactionpools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sport we love most. You'll be able to get into the action with our playactionpools.com football pick'em challenge, which is open to everyone. Chris, you're the betting half of this uh, podcast. Tell us how it works. Just sign up for our contest, Believe Football Pick'em at playactionpools.com, and then get your picks in each week. We'll select the 10 highest profile games of the week between NFL and college football. Whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. To enter, just go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest, Believe. That's B-L-E-A-V, football pick'em. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got survivor and pick'em contests as well as a cool sportsbook-style concept called Build Your Bankroll. Playactionpools.com, your new home for all your office sports pools. Now, New Mexico, only one draft pick the past 11 drafts. That was seventh-round kicker Jason Sanders back in 2018. Lobos are not likely to add another player to that list in 2022. Senior safety Patrick Peake is the top prospect, street free agent grade, Bounced back from injury in 2019 to make 32 tackles with one interception and three pass breakups in seven games. Last season, it was a Juco transfer, but he's in his fourth year with the Lobos. Redshirted that 2019 season, and now this year returns with renewed eligibility from the NCAA. All that extra experience, though, for Peak, not likely to get him drafted. He's more of an inside-the-box run defender. 
but lacks that true intimidator size. Tony, break down Peak for us and anything else you might like at New Mexico. Yeah, Peak was a guy who two years ago was getting some draftable grades from scouts. Uh, I believe had a knee injury uh, and really hasn't been the same since. I mean, he's a smaller safety who's a bit one-dimensional in his game. I think he can make it at the next level, though I, I don't think he's going to get drafted. He could make it as a, a zone safety or you know, a box type of guy who plays special teams. Uh, the other guy to keep an eye on who so far is having a good season is Terry Wilson, the quarterback, the former uh, Kentucky uh, uh, signal caller who transferred to New Mexico. I don't know if he's going to play quarterback next level. He's a real good athlete who can throw the ball, 6'2", 210 pounds. Maybe you move him to receiver. Maybe you, you move him to safety. Give him a try at quarterback first. Again, not going to be drafted, but I think like Peak will be signed to a free agent contract soon after the draft. Now, San Diego State put fourth-round cornerback Darren Hall into this year's draft, five straight years overall with the selection, and definitely have a shot to make it six in a row. Three players currently grayed out as late-rounders or priority free agents. Tight end Daniel Bellinger, 21 catches for 203 yards last season in eight games, already up to four catches, 123 yards, and a score in two games in 2021. He's got traditional tight end size, but he has some sneaky speed. This is a guy who starred in the 400 meters back in high school, and he showed that speed with a 73-yard catch against Arizona last weekend. Definitely the most intriguing prospect at SDSU. Then there's running back Greg Ball, 113 carries for 637 yards and six touchdowns last year in seven games. 38 carries, 268 yards and two scores so far this year. Lacks feature back size, though, and he's a limited receiver, which is why he's graded as a fringe draftable prospect. Then offensive tackle Zach Thomas moved to left tackle this season from the right side to replace Kyle Spaulding, had started the past two seasons at right tackle. Also has some prior experience at guard from earlier in his career. Probably more of a right tackle or a guard at the NFL level. Break down the Aztecs for us, Tony. Uh, you know, San Diego State has a history of putting tight ends into the league, whether via the draft or uh, as undrafted free agents. Sometimes those guys don't pan out, but Bellinger is going to be the next San Diego State tight end that's going to make it in the NFL. I have him graded as a six-rounder. Most scouts I know are spoken with have, have a draftable grade on him. I think he projects as a number three, maybe a number two at the next level. Nasty blocker, really looks to take off the opponent's head. Solid pass catcher, six foot four and a half inches, 250 pounds. He's not going to time real fast in the 40, but he's very good uh, in all areas of the tight end position, which is why I think he'll have a, uh, He'll have a chance to be a number three at the next level at the very least. Greg Bell is well-liked by scouts, runs hard on the inside, but he's only five foot 11, 203 pounds. I know there are some scouts I've spoken with who think he can go day three. I've got a free agent grade on him. I do like Zach Thomas. Again, I have a free agent grade on him, even though some scouts I've spoken with uh, think he can go in the fifth round. Good size, good length, I should say. Decent athlete. He's got some growth potential. He's shown himself to be a solid and consistent, versatile offensive lineman. Could sneak into the late rounds with a uh, with a good senior season, but a smart guy who you know could be a very inexpensive backup at the next level, whether it be tackle or guard or even both positions. Now, San Jose State, nobody drafted in April or in 2020. Good chance that changes next year, though. Tight end Derek Deese Jr overshadowed a little bit by Trey Walker and Bailey Gaither last season in this offense. 
still had 20 catches for 240 yards and five touchdowns in eight games through two games this year, though, six catches, 134 yards and a touchdown. Now he's more of a move tight end than the guys we've discussed so far lacks that traditional size, but he is a super smooth mover on the field. He can stretch the seam and make plays downfield. And yes, he is the son of former NFL All-Pro left tackle Derek Deese. Defensive end Cade Hall, also a player worth watching. 26 tackles, 12 for loss, 10 sacks in just seven games last year. Great production. Doesn't have a sack yet this season, though. Also doesn't have a draftable grade. He's going to need to get back some or most of last year's production if he ends up hoping to be in the draft. Tony, I know you like Deese a lot. Tell us why. Yeah, because he's a good football player. I don't know why he's a great athlete, which is kind of unusual considering, uh, you know, the, the bloodlines from his dad. But he was someone who really jumped off the film at me at times last year, made some incredible catches, a sturdy, durable guy, six foot four, 248 pounds. I don't think he's going to time that well, but he's just a real good football player, as you would expect from someone whose dad was an all pro. I mean, when you look at San Jose State and the guys you mentioned, I'll mention a couple other guys. They were a real good story last year. I mean, they were a team that made a bowl game. They lost in that bowl game to Ball State. Even though they played, I believe, all of their home games were on the road. They had to find uh, stadiums and venues in other states to play their home games because of the COVID outbreak. And they had a terrific season. Uh, I think the thing, whether it be Derek Deese, whether it be Kate Hall, Jack Snyder, who I'll talk about, even the, the quarterback, Nick Starkle, they're good football players, but they're not great athletes. Cade Hall, uh, 6'3", 268 pounds. He's not a guy that's really going to run super fast, but he plays like his hair's on fire. He's intense. He goes, 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 and he's a smart guy. Same thing with Jack Snyder, super smart. Has played tackle, has played guard, 6'5", 312 pounds. Uh, there are some scouts who have a six-round grade on him. I think he's a free agent, but I think the versatility and the smarts is something that will really help him catch on at the next level. Nick Starkle, I think, is a good college quarterback who doesn't project all that well, although I know that some scouts have a seventh-round grade on him. He's, he's got good size, but he doesn't have a strong arm. You watch the film, he's more of a short and intermediate-range passer who struggles placing the outs or getting the ball downfield. Uh, you know, Deese and Hall and Snyder do have third round, uh, day three grades, I should say, uh, from scouts and Starkle's uh, got a late round grade. So there's some talent there primarily on offense with San Jose state should be a fun season for them again. Now UNLV hasn't had a player drafted since 2010, likely won't have one drafted in 2022 either running back Charles Williams, probably their best prospect, 116 carries 494 yards, four touchdowns in six games last year, 41 for two twelve and two so far this season, but like Greg Bell at SDSU, he lacks feature back size and receiving production. Not really a great combo at the NFL level. I mean, just look at how a guy like Javian Hawkins has bounced around after going undrafted this year. And Hawkins, while being a lot smaller, way more explosive than a guy like Williams or even Bell. Yeah, you know, in a lot of ways, I hate to say this, but UNLV is like the Yukon of the Mountain West. I, I mean, they can't get their act together. They can't break the ship. Uh, oftentimes they're getting blown out, which is sad because I, I, I've rooted for them in the past. They've had flashes of uh, of winning seasons, but nothing consistently. And Charles Williams, as you said, he's small, he's creative, he runs hard, but he's not super duper fast. He's an undrafted prospect who could make it as a fourth back at the next level. 
Gio Faiola is a hybrid fullback tight end. He's really an H-back, 6'1 and a half, 268 pounds, catches the ball well, blocks well. I like him as a fullback. Some people have him as a tight end. Uh, doesn't have a great amount of upside, but gets the most from his ability. It has a versatile game. But again, you're looking at someone who's going to be signed as a free agent and will have to make its way up through camp. They do have a linebacker that I like by the name of Adam Plant. Obviously, no relation to Robert Plant, uh, but a transfer from TCU who goes about six foot four, 250 pounds. They use him up at the line. He's got some athleticism where he can drop off the line and play in space. Someone to keep an eye on moving forward. Now, Utah State had a two-year streak of draft picks, busted in April, but could start another in 2022. Thanks to offensive tackle Alfred Edwards entering his fourth season as the Aggies starting left tackle. He's a big guy. He's got great height and length, just not quite athletic enough to stick on the blind side in the NFL, but could be a power blocking right tackle as a late round pick. Anybody else though, interest you at Utah state, Tony? Yeah. I mean, maybe save on Scarver, the receiver who's been there for a long, long time as a undrafted free agent, Shaq bond, the safety is someone who I've watched a number of years coming back for a second senior season, getting back to Alfred Edwards, terrific length, growth potential, smart guy, long arms, but as you said, not very athletic, someone who can easily be exploited, especially off the edge on the left side. If Edwards is drafted in the late rounds, it's going to be as a right tackle and maybe even as a, a backup guard. Now, last team on our list tonight, Wyoming. No picks in the 2021 draft. Which actually snapped a four-year streak of having a player selected. The Cowboys should get back on track in 2022. Defensive end Solomon Bird set out the 2020 campaign due to COVID concerns, but as a sophomore in 2019, 45 tackles, nine and a half for loss and six and a half sacks. Hasn't quite hit the ground running in 2021 just yet after that year off, just five tackles through two games, but he's an explosive pass rusher and he's just a junior. So he does have some time to make up for his lost 2020 campaign. Fellow defensive end Garrett Crawl and linebacker Chad Muma both also have late round grades. Crawl played three games in 2020, 21 tackles, three for loss, two sacks, six tackles and a half sack so far in 2021. He's smaller and less athletic than Bird, which certainly hurts his draft stock, but he still finds ways to make plays. And speaking of making plays, Muma, 21 tackles in two games after 71 last year, also had 11 tackles for loss and four sacks in his past eight games. Average size, but he's slow which really doesn't stop him from racking up tackles in the Mountain West, but profiles as a backup and special teamer at the highest level of football. Tony, how do you feel about Wyoming's prospects for the 2022 draft? Yeah, well, there are a lot of scouts that like Muma. I have a late seventh round grade on him. Very instinctive, very tough, stout at the point, really plays smart, but punching the mouth type of football. The only thing is he's not really fast. I mean, he gets by in the Mountain West by taking proper angles and being very efficient. He's a good open field tackler, doesn't bite on the ball fakes, forceful up the field. He's just limited athletically, which is why he'll be a late round pick. Maybe he can start at the next level in the right system, you know, because of the fact that he is so football smart, uh, but he's just not a great athlete. Good size, you know, for him to get drafted, he's going to have to run well and running well for uh, Muma is probably in the four sevens. 
Solomon Bird off the 2019 film was someone who could not be stopped. I mean, he was just an explosive edge rusher, a guy who may end up as a three, four outside linebacker, a guy who is fast up the field, very athletic, very agile, can change direction and play in backside pursuit. As you mentioned, he sat out last year. And I mean, it's kind of ironic. I mean, a lot of these players who opted out last year seem to be, you know, uh, taking a bit of time to get it back into gear. Uh, Jamar Chase and Penny Sewell had their issues during the preseason. Uh, obviously, Solomon Bird is going to take him a little while to get up to speed, but he's got a good amount of upside. And he's an explosive athlete. I happen to really like Garrett Crawl. I mean, Garrett Crawl, like you said, he's not as fast as Solomon Bird, although he's not that much slower, but he's a guy who just, you know, like Muma, just goes and goes and, and uh, he's constantly making plays. He was all over the field last year until he got hurt. Defensive end, maybe an outside linebacker. Maybe he squeaks into the seventh round. I have him as a late seventh round pick because I love the film so much. A lot will depend on his uh, workouts, uh, but he's going to be an asset, I believe, at the next level as a situational pass rusher who can also play special teams. And that's it for the 206th episode of The Draft Analyst, presented by Bet Online and the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us any questions give any feedback you may have as well we'll be back next week with more on the 2022 nfl draft but until then on behalf of tony pauline i'm chris tripodi we'll talk to you soon thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.